Hello, good morning and welcome to another episode of Straight Talking English. Bit of a special episode today, it is the second of the AMAs, the Ask Me Anything questions which I picked up last month. Sadly, my delightful boyfriend is at work so I will not have an announcer today, but the question I am going to ask for you is from my mum, which is... Did Shakespeare write his own plays? This is a really good question, Mum. Like, fab. Fab question. There's a lot of theories floating around about this. Did one man called William Shakespeare sit down and write a load of plays? And I am a big fan of Shakespeare. I personally think yes. But some people are going with no. So I'm going to be a little bit of a detective. I'm going to go into this. Before we get cracking, I forgot to plug myself. Uh, That sounds really bad, actually. Oh, my God. I forgot to plug my products and my online self. str 8 Talk English on Twitter, straighttalkenglish.com. And my book is out. So if you search on Amazon, Jekyll and Hyde, the full context, you can buy it. And it is very, very, very good. So we know definitely a man called William Shakespeare was born in Stratford-on-Avon and that man retired there after being an actor. Could the person who actually did the writing of the plays though, could that have been another guy called Christopher Marlowe who was a contemporary of William Shakespeare's? He Could he have actually done the writing and he, this guy William just gave his name as a pseudonym to Marlowe. Um, Jim Jarmusch, the amazing, amazing director, says, I think it was Christopher Marlowe. Full stop. Yeah. There's a bit of evidence There's um, that it was Marlowe. Mostly they were born in the same year. Problem though, he died. <laughs> Okay, everyone is dead. Right, right, right. But he died relatively early on in Shakespeare's career and the plays were written afterwards. Apparently, the Milo... Milo? The Marlowe Society believe that he was not murdered, but was actually spirited away to France, where he continued to write plays and be a, a spy. So, I mean, are we, are we agreeing with that? I mean, if he's a spy, I'm not exactly going to find out about it, am I? There is, potentially, a theory that it could be any number of other writers as well. Problem being, with naming other writers, is that there is a book in 1598 by a man called Francis Merez. And I'm drawing on the work of Jonathan Bate from my alma mater, the University of Warwick, when I'm talking saying this this is not my detective work i'm just using this guy jonathan bates so this book by francis merritt in 1598 is called wit's commonwealth to quote bates he wanted to give a sense of the greatness the dignity of all the new english literature being written in the 1590s in this time he wanted to say that british writers are as good as those of classical antiquity but he names these people as different people so he says in the latin tongue it's glorified by virgil ovid and horace and then he lists the writers who have made a massive contribution to english sydney spencer daniel drayton shakespeare marlowe and chapman so he is saying they are two separate people and he was there to quote directly shakespeare among the english is most excellent in both kinds of stage both comedy and tragedy for 
comedy, witness, his two gentlemen of Verona, his comedy of errors, his love's labours lost, his love's labours won, which is like a lost one that we can't say, Midsummer Night's Dream, Merchant of Venice, I'm not convinced Merchant of Venice is a comedy, <laughs> we've got people threatening to chop each other's hands off and anti-Semitism, but alright, alright. And for tragedy, his Richard II, Richard III, Henry IV, King John, Titus Andronicus, and Romeo and Juliet. Merez mentions Christopher Marlowe completely separately to Shakespeare. And he is one of these guys who's friends with everyone. And he says it's quite clear that they are different people to William Shakespeare. So I am officially counting out Marlowe as a potential suspect. However, could it be Francis Bacon? He was another writer who was a contemporary of Shakespeare's. A lady called Delia Bacon was an American, and in the 19th century, she started investigating this. She gave a close reading of Julius Caesar, King Lear and Coriolanus, and it revealed a covert battle against the crown led by Bacon. She said, of course, no one could possibly have written the plays attributed to Shakespeare. He was little better than a pet horse boy at Blackfriars, an old showman and hawker of players, an out-and-out stupid, illiterate, third-rate play actor. Um, alright, fair enough. The main issue with that being is a little bit of classism, um, because obviously if he's a work, well, a middle-class boy, from a middle-class family then of course he would not have been able to do these amazing things and Delia Bacon's book was listened to by a lot of people including Mark Twain. Mark Twain actually worked out that if you look in the first printed edition of Shakespeare's plays there is a secret code that reads Bacono (laughs) and that's it that's your proof she however just to make sure well just to put this in a little bit of uh, controversy she actually moved to england to live near stratford on avon and went mad after trying to dig up shakespeare's grave so it kind of throws the whole thing into doubt however someone who we might want to listen to is mark rylance who was former director of the globe theater he believes that shakespeare was a front for a powerful literary cabal including bacon he said there is a genius at work in here somewhere but it's not william shakespeare a lot of other people gathered around those plays the nature of authorship was different then it's this idea that one he's pushing forward isn't necessarily that it's bacon it's actually a lot of people in collaboration and i could kind of see why he's doing that because he wants young people to be inspired by shakespeare but he doesn't want it to be like oh wow i can't be as good as that guy he says the idea of a single genius at work here is very damaging to the confidence of the younger playwrights so he's pushing this idea of collaboration and rylance says he would much rather see shakespeare as kind of like a producer or you know like the lead singer of a band and that's kind of named after him i mean i'm a massive fan of gaslight anthem and the only example i can think of right now is brian fallon 
and uh, the Horrible Crows or uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra or something where like the, the, the guy is the name of the group and that's how Rylance wants us to see it but Bacon has got his sticky fingers into it sticky bacon is it that weird candy bacon that they sell <laughs> in Five Guys however we know exactly what Shakespeare's job was and it wasn't producer and the reason that we know that is because he really really wanted a coat of arms his dad basically had a lot of money problems and the family got a bad reputation shakespeare wanted to restore the good name of his family and he wanted to get this coat of arms so he could prove that him and his family were gentlemen you had to go to an office called the herald's office and he did get it one of the officials at the herald's office who gave them out said that various people from vulgar backgrounds i'm quoting bait again here sort of insufficiently high class people were getting coats of arms and among them was shakespeare the player so okay my instinctive reaction is player but he would have had to have verified his job to have gone through this process he would have had to have done the equivalent of getting a background check in the same way that I have to do whenever I have a teaching job I have to do my forms of ID my degrees whatever and that's what he would have had to have done or the equivalent of the other people in the Herald's office disagreed they defended this on the right they defended it because he had the rights since he had come from Stratford. This guy who was the actor, Shakespeare the player, was definitely the son of the right people. When these other two guys defended Shakespeare's right to have the coat of arms, they went further into his background and in their notes which have survived we've got Shakespeare as a writer, a poet and a dramatist. So I mean it could be that Rylance is correct and the idea that I'm a writer kind of could mean like I'm head of a group of writers but he was able to prove those credentials to get his coat of arms and there you go william camden one of the most learned men in england a school teacher at westminster school wrote a book called the remains of a greater history and he is listing my favorite writers why they're so great and shakespeare is in the middle of it so we've got two contemporary commentators and the coat of arms people saying yeah he is a writer oh, okay 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 this is a very nice <laughs> i love this conspiracy i had so much fun with this one is it it could be a conspiracy between ben johnson who was shakespeare's friend and collaborator another writer and actor or and he's collaborating with this guy called edward de vere who is the sixth earl of oxford so this guy this earl of oxford was a massive recluse and and great writer and him and johnson set up this thing where they would pretend to be Shakespeare they would get this name from somewhere the argument that this is true was this guy fabulously named Thomas Looney who was a teacher and basically he said there is absolutely no way that he could have known that much about the aristocracy when he writes his noble characters they sound and they act correctly how could he have done that if he wasn't a member of the aristocracy well the easy answer is to that is he hung around them a lot <laughs> i mean i don't know if i could write a 
convincing 15 year old character but with the nature of my job i feel like i could give it a decent shot i mean <laughs> i could ask some so yeah he's got the experience but whatever whatever this bacon conspiracy oh that's not the bacon one this is a devere conspiracy sorry i'm i've got the builders in at the moment i've got half an ear out listening to what they're doing the main guy who opposes this is trevor nunn he also a director of the royal shakespeare company he declares it to be bonkers nunn says who is ben johnson he is shakespeare's great rival and a real talent garrulous argumentative jealous proud and deeply committed to exposing hypocrisy and corruption not a man to count out to nobility or privilege what does he do it's johnson who coins the phrase swan of avon like to call shakespeare and it's johnson who declares that shakespeare is for all time and then claims him as my shakespeare why on earth would johnson who owes nothing to anyone who had competed with shakespeare throughout his professional life take part in a cover-up to help the earl of oxford from admitting he had anything to do with the theater this is game set and match to shakespeare bang knocking it out the park so why why are we even debating this i mean i don't really think there's another debate like this i mean did roald dahl really write willy wonka in the chocolate factory did jk rowling really write harry potter i mean there isn't a debate on this scale and like many things that cause me headaches and you will realize if you decide to listen back over season one when i was doing the poets like most things in my life is caused by romantics and romanticism so we've always had this like cult of shakespeare what the victorians called bardolatry where we worship him and being so wonderful so romantics in the early 19th century coleridge byron keats yeah yeah yeah. they all had these glamorous ridiculous lives you know byron had a pet bear at university mad bad and dangerous to know but shakespeare wasn't actually a very glamorous person he was a businessman he had business partners but he was running his own firm all the documents that we've got about shakespeare are actually proper boring like property transactions there isn't a lot of the the super glamorous archaeology and bates says for the romantics that wasn't really glamorous enough we need shakespeare to have a bit of glamour to be a lord it was with the romantics a great cult of shakespeare took off the romantics who were the first to say shakespeare is the greatest genius there has ever been so in a way i think the authorship controversy emerged out of a kind of disappointment that the hard evidence of the documents didn't quite have the color and glamour to go with the idea of shakespeare as the quintessential genius and it's come back a little bit like um you know the the flat earthers who believe that the earth is flat and there's a really good documentary about them on netflix actually it's deeply bizarre and with the internet spreading and anyone's ideas can kind of ping 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 so it kind of dropped away for a little bit but then it came back it's gonna be on these things and i just i see it as another one of these sad indictments of a class-based system that various scholars smart people can't accept that a poor kid could do something that amazing i mean god forbid trevor nunn again he says to accept someone from the lower orders not 
formally educated at Oxford or Cambridge could be a genius is very hard for us. There is a human appetite for mystery. For myself, I don't feel the need to see him as a character, but I do feel the need to have a sense of him in the room and I do have that. Shakespeare, and this is his genius, always says this is who we are. He is the greatest humanist who ever lived. No one understands forgiveness like Shakespeare. And honestly, if you're kind of on the fence about this, do your context, read your plays. I or I have a sense of who Shakespeare is through doing these podcasts. I always see him as kind of someone who knows what side his bread is buttered on. Someone who can balance creativity, what people want, what the sponsors want, what he wants. Someone who can read a crowd, someone who can make it work. And that's why with these little tweaks, it does rather work, doesn't it? Even now, considering as I'm thinking about going up to the globe this summer on one of my days off. So thank you very, very much. I hope this answers your question, mum. <laughs> oh my goodness. I Again, the glamorous world, the glamorous celebrity world of a podcaster. Again, maybe I should invent some kind of glamorous story that wasn't I texted my mum and asked her if she had any questions about Shakespeare hi mum str8 talk english on twitter straighttalkenglish.com buy my book buy my book buy my book the full context of Jekyll and Hyde is very very good and you will pass your exams and people throw you a party no not an actual guarantee but you should read it anyway it's awesome. Have a really, really lovely day and I will speak to you very soon.